This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we go back to 1949 and a visit with Luigi Basco on the popular CBS show Life with Luigi. The show was created by Cy Howard, who had earlier created the hit radio comedy My Friend Irma. The action centered on his experiences as a newly arrived Italian immigrant in Chicago. Now, many episodes took place at the night school classes that Luigi attended with other immigrants from different countries. Another common theme involved Luigi's landlord sponsor, Pasquale, scheming to get Luigi to marry his rather obese daughter, Rosa. Perennial character actor and two-time Academy Award nominee, J. Carol Nash, played Luigi. Now, he was one of the most versatile character actors in the business. Born of Irish descent in New York City, ironically, his black hair, mustache, and swarthy complexion invariably denied him roles as an Irishman, but his gifts for dialects were to land him plum character parts as Arabs, Italians, Pacific Islanders, Hindus, Mexicans, African Americans, and Orientals. Villains of the black-hearted variety were his stock in trade. Indeed, he was so damn good at his job that Time magazine referred to him as a Hollywood one-man United Nations. Life with Luigi was broadcast from 1948 to 1954, entertained millions of listeners, and helped shape American consciousness about Italian values and the Italian way of life. The show was popular, successfully competing with Bob Hope's The Pepsodent Show, and here's a surprising note. For most of its run, Life with Luigi aired at 9 p.m. on Tuesdays, and despite an estimated 30% share of the audience in its time slot, the show was without a sponsor until Wrigley's Gumbot in 1950. So now here's the episode entitled, An Erroneous Phone Bill. We invite you to enjoy life. Life with Luigi, a new comedy show created by Cy Howard and starring that celebrated actor, Mr. J. Carroll Nash with Alan Reed. A year ago, when Luigi Vasco left Italy to start his new life in America, he promised his mother that he would write and tell her about his adventure. So now let's read Luigi's letter as he writes to Mama Vasco in Italy. Dear Mamma Mia, in America is a big business, magazine. Wonderful thing about American magazines. They're full of advertisements. 
And the advertisements I like the most are the ones that tell you how to make a lot of money easy. <laughs> they say, become rich overnight. Grow mushrooms in your cell. <laughs> become rich overnight. Make Indian bead rings. Become rich overnight. Learn the meat cutting in your own living room. <laughs> Mamma mia, if I could only stay up for three nights, I make a fortune. <laughs> but there's another advertisement that says make a hundred dollars a week, become a secretary stenographer. Then I read them all and I see it's a no good for me. It's only for somebody who's got a short hand. <laughs> These things sound very good, Mamma Mia. But if you're not smart, like your Luigi, it's possible to get fooled. Like one advertisement I see that says, We pay you big money. Write to box at 22. Mamma mia, how can this company have money if they got office in a box? <laughs> Most foolish advertisement I see is the one that say, we give you pants one third off. <laughs> Mamma mia, isn't that a stupid? How am I going to look walking in the street with my pants one third off? <laughs> also, is that that say, learn about your telephone company. Mamma mia, there's a plenty to learn. This morning, I'm going to receive a bill from a phone company that's charging me for longer distance calls to California that I'm going to never make. I always try to conduct the business honest. So this is worrying me very much. So I go to my night school teacher, Miss Spalding, and maybe she can explain why. <laughs> Quiet class. I'll call the roll. Basco. I'm a hip. Horowitz. Yeah. Olsen. Go oh, I'm here. Schultz. Schultz, you're here, aren't you? Yeah, but I'm not squealing. <laughs> I got shows, yeah? Oh, I should be a sensation in television. <laughs> Mr. Schultz, please. You are very funny, and it is not necessary to dip your finger in the inkwell. Now, class. Our lesson for today is English. What is it, Mr. Basco? Why are you raising your hand? Miss Farthing, I got a problem. Today I'm going to receive a telephone bill with a charge for call to California I never make. Well, Mr. Basco, I'll help you with your phone problem later if you don't mind staying after class with me. Well, I'm... I'm... I should say the start of it. I'm a glad to stay, Miss Walter. Luigi is the DJ pet. <laughs> now, class, class. I enjoy a good laugh as well as anyone, but we must get on to our study. Now for our English lesson. Now, who will volunteer to conjugate the verb to see? Well, who will volunteer? No volunteers? Looks like somebody's going to have to be drafted. <laughs> Well, I'll have to call on somebody. Mr. Olsen. Uh, yeah, all right, I volunteer. <coughs> I conjugate the, the, the verb to see. See, saw. See, saw. See, saw. Olsen, stop already. You're making me dizzy. <laughs> Mr. Schultz, you are disrupting the class. Now, let me hear you conjugate see. I see, you see, he see, she see, we see, you see, they see. 
Ghost, that's good. Ghost, that's perfect. <laughs> yes, it is at that. To tell you the truth, was a lucky guess. <laughs> all right, all right. Now, who will conjugate the verb using a subject? Uh, like Mary. Uh, Mr. Spalding, I try. Go ahead, Mr. Basco. I see Mary, you see Mary, he sees Mary, she sees Mary, we see Mary, you see Mary, they see Mary. Mary should pull down her window shades. <laughs> Mr. Schultz, please. That was very good, Mr. Basco. Now, could you conjugate a verb of your own? Sure. I take a verb to pay. Fine. You pay telephone a company? <laughs> He pay telephone company. Now, wait a minute. You left out I pay telephone company. I'm a no pay. I never make telephone company. Well, I can see we'll have to settle that problem now. Now, Mr. Basco, why don't you go down to the phone company and explain things to them? They're very fair, and if they're wrong, you won't have to pay. I don't have to pay. Thank you, Miss Pauzing. <laughs> Wait for me. Oh, you walk so fast. <laughs> look, look at me. My tongue is hanging out like a cooker spaniel. <laughs> Luigi, my friend, I got to talk to you. Oh, what's the matter, Schultz? Don't go to the phone company. Why not? A terrible thing happened to my cousin Hugo. Oh. You know, he once got at a big telephone bill. He tried to argue with the telephone company. He got them mad, and they made him pay it anyway. <laughs> They made him a pay? Yeah, yeah, but for the last ten years, he's been getting even with them. How? Every time the telephone rings, he don't answer. <laughs> but it should. If I don't go to the telephone company, what am I going to do? Luigi, in my head, an idea just pooped. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you go to your friend, Alderman Johnson? Let him investigate it for you. That's right, the Schultz. Alderman Johnson, he's all the way to try to help you. I got him right now. Thanks, the Schultz. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye, Luigi. And remember, smile. What if you do get into trouble with the telephone company? What can they do? Can they hang you? Can they shoot you? Can they throw you in jail? Schultz, can they? How should I know? Am I a lawyer? <laughs> Hello, Mr. Alderman Johnson. You remember me? Why, of course. You're the serviceman for Culligan Saltwater Service. Well, you certainly took your time coming. But I'm going to have to... No, 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 don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. I know every voter in my district. You're, uh, um, uh, uh, well, don't stand there. Give me a hint. You ever hear of a Luigi Bosco? I certainly, certainly. Great friend of mine. Nothing he wouldn't do for me. Ah, broke my heart the day he left for France. <laughs> I'm a Luigi Bosco. Oh. Well, how was the trip? I never went. <laughs> Mr. Alderman Johnson, you know me. I'm Luigi Basco. I own a ticket shop on Holstead Street. Oh, certainly, certainly. Now, Mr. Basco, what did you want to see me about? It's about telephone bills. This morning, it say, I'm a make a longer distance call to California, and I'm a never make it. I see. And you don't want to pay the telephone company. Oh, don't say that. I'm always tried to be good American. I'm obey every law. 
sign in the street that says, speed the limit, 25 miles an hour. I'm a never walker faster than a 25. <laughs> sign in a zoo. Say, don't feed the monkey peanuts. I'm a never feed the monkey peanuts. I give him popcorn. <laughs> sign is all over, say. Not trespassing. Believe me, Mr. Alderman. I'm a hero one a year, and I'm never passing a train. Vasco, I know your problem. Now, you think the phone company's made an error, and you're a little afraid of it. That's right, Mr. Alderman. Phone company's so big, and, and Luigi Vasco, he's so little. Why, Vasco, you're as big as the telephone company. It's because the little people run America. Now you don't have to worry about a thing. I take care of all my voters. I'll get on the phone right now and straighten it out for you. Uh, give me your bill, Vasco. I only deal with the people on top. Hello, operator. Uh, let me talk to the president. Just tell him it's Alderman Johnson. All right? All right, then give me the vice president. Well, uh, how about the district supervisor? I see. Is the, uh, chief operator in? No. Well, Who? All right, give me that party. Hello. Information. Who do I speak to about paying a bill? <laughs> Mr. Alderman, maybe it's too much trouble for you. I go myself. No, no, no. You leave it to me, Vasco. Hello, complete department. This is Alderman Johnson. I'm talking for a constituent of mine. What do you mean by charging him for a long distance call he never made? You've got your nerve. What? It's Luigi Vasco, Sedgwick 39895. Yeah? Yeah? All right. Well, Vasco, you'll never have any trouble with the company again. I won't? No. They're taking out your phone tomorrow. <laughs> Luigi, my friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello, Pasquale. What's the matter, Luigi? Why are you so sad, my little man? You're looking like a little puppy with his tail between his ears. <laughs> Pasquale, it's a long story. This morning, I'm going to receive a wrong bill from telephone company. I ask him a spalling. She's going to say, go to company. Sure, she's going to say, go to Alderman. I go to Alderman, and he's going to make even worse. Sure, she'll go to everybody but your best friend of Pasquale, and what's happening? Nothing. Why are you running around like a crazy little squirrel looking for food when all the time you could have come straight to the nuts? <laughs> You're so right, Pasquale. Nobody's a bigger nut than you. <laughs> That's a funny thing. When I'm a sailor, it's a sound of death parade. <laughs> Pasquale, I'm in a trouble, and I'm coming to ask you for favor. Phone company is going to take a phone out of my store tomorrow. Luigi, why you have it to worry when you've got a good friend like Pasquale who's to bring you from all the country? You don't need a telephone. You can use a mine. Is it no trouble, Pasquale? What a trouble. It's a pleasure. Every time there's a phone ring, I call you. Thank you, Pasquale. You real a friend. Sure. Now, I do you a favor with a ring? You do me a favor with a ring. <laughs> Pasquale, what the favor I can do you with a ring? 
slip it out of my daughter Rose's finger. No, no, Pasquale. I'm not going to play a ring around the rose. <laughs> it's no use, Pasquale. Rose is a nice girl, lovely girl. But she's too fat for me. Luigi. <laughs> you call it 250 pounds of fat? What do you call it? I ask you first. <laughs> Pasquale, we just waste time of talking. I'm not going to marry Ross. All right, you big, stupid fool. Just because of a little thing like a marrying my Rosie, you're going to lose your telephone. Pasquale, I'm not going to need your help. Maybe it's better I go myself at the telephone company and find out why they charge me for this call to California. California? Wait, Luigi, don't be so impatient. I changed my mind. I'm going to help you. Then... You're not angry with me, Pasquale? No. Hey, Luigi, you give me a telephone bill, go take a walk, and I'm going to fix everything up with the phone company. Pasquale, why do you do this? Because, Pasquale, to love you like a... Don't say it. All right. You go for a walk, Luigi, my friend. I'm your countryman. I'm going to take care of everything. Thank you, Pasquale. You're welcome, Luigi. Abro figuro, bravo, vissima, abro figuro, bravo, vissimi, fortratissime, fortratissime, fortratissime. Hello? Operator? Uh, give me the chief supervisor. Hello, chief supervisor? Uh, this is a very good friend of Luigi Basco, 21 North Halstead Street, telephone number Sedgwick, 398095. I'm understanding you want to take out his telephone next week. I think it's very bad of you to take a man's business away. It's a bread and a butter. Huh? What's a Bosco's business? He's a bookie. <laughs> For the second act of Luigi Vasco's Adventures in Chicago, we turn to page two of his letter to his mother in Italy. And so, Mamma Mia, is a big trouble with me. I don't know what the Pasquales do to help me with a telephone company. All I know is, this morning, man has come in, asking me to put two dollars on a nose. Soon as I'm a put it under my nose, he's a disconnected the telephone. <laughs> and the mama mia, when a man is a loses a telephone, is no use talking. Anyway, I'm a sitting in my store wondering what I should do next. When I suddenly open up the door and a big wind comes in. Luigi, my friend. <laughs> hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. Hello, Pasquale. Hey, Luigi, you mind if I'm a use your telephone? Thank you. Hello, operator. Operator. Hey, Luigi, you got a funny kind of operator. She's a no talk. <laughs> Must be Johnny Belinda. <laughs> Pasquale, phone company has a disconnect to my phone. What? After I'm to say such good things about you? Pasquale, just what is it that you say about me? Well, I'm a praise of you, Luigi. I'm a telling my Luigi is a man uh, who knows his own, sir. Also, she got a very uh, stable character. <laughs> well, thank you, Pasquale, but it's a very strange to me. I don't can understand what's happening between me and the phone company. 
Hello, Luigi. Hello, Pasquale. Hello, Schultz. Hello, Schultz. <laughs> Luigi, how you make it out with the telephone company? Schultz, sir, I'm going to lots of trouble. My phone died. <laughs> Smile, Luigi. If you ever want to get a message to California, I'm going to lend you a carrier pigeon. Smart, Alec, a delicatessen, a man of Schultz. How's a little bird like a pigeon going to carry Luigi to California? <laughs> Carry him pigeon back. What's <laughs> a good one on you, Bushkamai? You don't know what he's talking about. Wait a minute, Schultz. Listen, it's Schultz and a Pasquale. No fight, no fight. I'm in a trap. Why don't you go straight to the telephone company, tell them your story, and let them straighten out the whole thing? Don't go, Luigi. Go. Don't go. Go. Don't go. How do you like that? They went. <laughs> Telephone the company. Mamma mia, it's a big building. Oh, here's a sign on the side of the building. It says, uh, Bell Telephone Company, Estab, 1878. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bell, he was stabbed in 1878. <laughs> no. No, I, I must be wrong. A stab, eight, one, eight, a seven, eight. That's a telephone number. <laughs> <laughs> well, Luigi Bascona, don't be so nervous. Like all the men say, America is on the side of a little man. And I'm a little man. Well, I'm going inside and find out what's with the telephone call to California. Excuse me, lady, please. I'm coming here about call to California. This is the Bell Telephone Company, no? Yes. I'm like to speak to Mr. Bell. Mr. Bell is dead. <laughs> All right, I wait. <laughs> and you don't understand, sir. Mr. Bell is no longer with us. That's not the nice. A man has spent his whole life inventing telephone. Now he's a get a fired. <laughs> Then maybe I speak to Mrs. Bell. Mrs. Bell is not here either. Mr. Bell is not here. Mrs. Bell is not here. Who's the watch of the business? Sir, I'm really not qualified to answer all your questions. Why don't you go see the head operator? Head operator? Yes, two flights up, first door to the right. Thank you, lady. Mama mia, I'm learning something every day. Just now, I find out there's two kinds of operators. With the head and without the head. <laughs> I'm trying to explain to you, Mr. Basco. The company is actually owned by five million shareholders. Five million? That's right. And when the profits are added up, they divide every nickel. Mamma mia. When they get through with that nickel, it must be in a terrible shape. <laughs> Mr. Basco, for two and a half hours, I've tried to explain. I've... I've... Mr. Basco, why don't you go see a vice president? Mr. Basco, this is unprecedented. You've disrupted our entire organization. I'm a sorry, Mr. Vice President. But do you think it's nice for Chicago Telephone Company to be mad at me? 
Even when the two people is mad, they talk once in a while. All right, so you don't ring my phone no more. At the least, maybe once a day you should have given me a little tinkle. Vasco, <laughs> the telephone company is not angry with you. Then why the telephone company is disconnecting my phone? Just because I'm never make a call to California. Mr. Vasco, really, you must have made that call. Our company never makes a mistake. Now, do you realize what happens every time you pick up your phone? A thin plate of soft iron called the diaphragm vibrates to your sound wave. Oh. Now, this in turn affects a tiny magnet and is electrically transmitted, causing the diaphragm to vibrate. Oh. Then what do you think happens when the two metallic contacts are made? Oh. Charlie Operator says a deposit another five cents. To no! <laughs> An automatic record is immediately stamped on a card bearing your phone number. Now, Mr. Vasco, we never make mistakes. Then there must be something wrong with the way telephone company advertises. What do you mean? All the papers is a show picture of a lady with a telephone, and she's a saying, sorry, wrong number. <laughs> Mr. Vasco, that is a picture. I know it's a picture. But if you never make mistakes, you should show a picture of a lady, and she's a saying, I'm happy, write the number. <laughs> Mr. Vasco, listen to me. We are very patient here at the telephone company, but facts are facts. You made this call to California, therefore you must pay for it. Now, to prove to you just how right we are and how patient we are, I'll double-check your file. Believe me, sir, I've been a vice president of the telephone company for 20 years. Nothing goes wrong here. I'll now call our filing department. Hello? Hello? How do you like that? The phone is dead. <laughs> My friend, hello, my little man. You find out about that call to California? Pasquale, it was the worst day in my life that I ever went there. I'm a make so much of trouble, a vice president is a throw me out. Vice president? Oh, Luigi, that's a terrible. Why? Vice president is a very big man in this country. He's going to report to you. And you know what comes after report? Deport. <laughs> And that's going to be the story of your life. Four words. Import, the report, the deport, export. Oh, Pasquale. I'm going to want so much to stay in America. Help me. I'm sorry, Luigi. I'm like very much to help you, but I'm a note of facts. I must testify in the court against you. But, Pasquale, why you must testify against me? Oh, it's a big law here. It's called uh, habeas corpus. <laughs> and even if I'm a no testifier, my Rosa, she's still got to testify because uh, she's living next door. Pasquale, help me. Is there nothing I can do? Nothing. Wait. <laughs> I'm a just to remember. It's another big law. Wife, and not going to testify against the husband. But you're not my wife, Pasquale. <laughs> no, but I know a certain party who's willing to make the biggest sacrifice. Who? Welcome home, my son. Hello, Papa. 
<laughs> oh, now I'm happy. Rosa. 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 You call me Papa. <laughs> Come here, Rosa. Say hello to Luigi. <laughs> hello, Luigi. Hello, Rosa. <laughs> Bless you, my children, and I'm a hope for you live together happily ever after. Papa, does this mean we're already married? Oh, shut up your face. <laughs> Mr. Basco here. I'm Luigi Basco. Uh, Mr. Basco, I'm from the phone company. We've investigated that California call, and we find it was made to the Hollywood Matrimonial Agency. Hollywood, the Matrimonial Agency? It's all right. I'm going to pay. Everything's going to be settled and nice and quiet. Uh, we investigated this phone call, Mr. Basco, and it seems the conversation was about getting a husband for a certain Rosa. Is he getting the past to my bedtime? Good night, everybody. <laughs> Shut up, you face. Come with me. No, it was you, Pasquale. You used my phone for your call to California. Uh, Mr. Basco, it may interest you to know anyone who uses your phone without your permission is liable to a lawsuit. Pasquale. <laughs> yes, my son. Happy as the corpus, Papa. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hello, Mamma Mia. This is your son, Luigi. Talking to you on the telephone. Huh? No, no, it's, it's not a dream, Mama. It's really true. Is it your son? Yeah, yeah, you're a boy, Luigi. You don't hear my voice in more than a year. What the? What? Go ahead, Mama. I don't care what it costs. Go ahead. Go ahead and cry. Sure, cry. <laughs> I'm think I'm a cry too. <laughs> how, how is Uncle Pietro? Oh, good, good. And he's a goat. <laughs> oh, he's a goat. He's got married. Ha <laughs> uh ha. -huh. Sure. When is Uncle Pietro gonna get married? <laughs> what? Oh, he's gonna wait and see how it's turn out with his goat. <laughs> No, no, don't worry about the cost of this to call the mama. Don't worry. How's Aunt Francesca? Good, good. And a cousin of Salvador. Oh, that's a fine, Mama Mia. Uh, mama, are you sure you feel good? Oh, that's so nice. That's so nice. What the? Huh? I don't understand. You no get the marshmallows? Where do you hear about the marshmallows? Oh, you read all about the marshmallow plan. <laughs> but, but well, Mama, Mama Mia, is there somebody here want to talk to you? So wait a minute. Pasquale, go ahead, Pasquale. Hello, Mama Mia, goodbye. <laughs> what? Why does Pasquale get off of the phone so fast? I'll tell you why, Mamma Mia. Because he's a painter for this phone call.
Stay tuned for Our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Eve Arden as Our Miss Brooks. Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay and luster cream shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair bring you Our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks under the direction of Al Lewis. Well, this is National Pickle Week. And among others who celebrated the occasion was Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School. I celebrated National Pickle Week, all right, by getting myself into the prettiest pickle you've ever seen. It all started innocently enough when my landlady and I sat down to breakfast last Thursday morning. There's your cereal, Connie. Now tell me, dear, have you made any plans for your vacation next month? Nothing definite, Mrs. Davis. Perhaps it's just as well not to plan too far in advance. Who knows what summer may bring? You might even elope. Have you ever thought of that, Connie? Many times, Mrs. Davis. I'd do it in a minute, too. If it weren't for a stubborn little streak in me, which keeps insisting that it's no fun to elope by yourself. (laughs) Oh, I, I didn't mean by yourself, Connie. What's wrong with Mr. Boynton? For submitting the outstanding question of the week, we are sending Mrs. Margaret Davis a lifetime supply of Dutch boy paint. <laughs> I wish I knew what was wrong with Mr. Boynton. All he talks about lately is his impending vacation in South America. South America? What a wonderful idea. And it simplifies everything. It does? Of course. If Mr. Boynton is going to South America, that's where you have to go. The thought has occurred to me, Mrs. Davis, but there's one thing that stands in the way. Transportation. Transportation? Yes, one of my water wings has a blowout. (laughs) Don't be discouraged by your present financial state, Connie. I'll go make some tea and read your tea leaves in a little while. Maybe there'll be some good news in your cup. Why, at this very moment, Lady Luck may be camping on your doorstep. Well, don't sit there, lady. Come on in. (laughs) most gracious and scintillating educator. Thank you, most generous and observant pupil. Sit down, Walter, and have some toast and jelly. Oh, thanks. What kind of a plant is that you're holding? It's a rare black orchid, Miss Brooks. Here. An orchid? Must have cost you quite a bit of money, Walter. Pish, tush. The blossom cost me nothing. Besides, this is no time to concern ourselves with petty monetary considerations. I'm going to be rich, Miss Brooks. Wealthy beyond all dreams of avarice. The fabulous treasures of the universe are within my grasp. Hey, buddy, could you spare a round-trip ticket to South America? (laughs) No, I'm serious, Miss Brooks. I've discovered uranium. Uranium? Where? On my shoe. (laughs) Who's your boot black? (laughs) It's no joke, Miss Brooks. I made the discovery in the chem lab. We got a brand new Geiger counter, and it's... By the way, have you ever used a Geiger counter? I haven't had to, Walter. Very few of my pupils are named Geiger. (laughs) No. I'm afraid you don't understand. A Geiger counter is an instrument that measures the number and intensity of emanations from radioactive substances. Sounds terribly talented. But how did you get mixed up with it? Well, I climbed on a desk to fix a light bulb, and my shoe got near the Geiger counter. You should have heard it. It almost blew its top. That means uranium's on my shoe. 
Now, the way I figure it, all I've got to do is retrace my steps of the past few days. Wouldn't it be easier to just start mining your shoe? <laughs> Please, Miss Brooks. No, you've got to help me. You see, the counter is school property and can't be removed from the building without Mr. Conklin's permission. But if a teacher were to ask oh, him... Oh, not me, Walter. I'd like to assist you in this project, but now is the wrong time. Tuesday, I knocked a bowl of soup into his lap in the cafeteria, and last week I dropped a typewriter on his foot. Oh. Hey, it's almost 8.15. I better park this orchid in the icebox and get ready to leave. Have a glass of milk, Walter. I'll just be a minute. Okay, Miss Brooks. Oh, it's you, Connie. The tea is almost ready. I'm afraid I won't have time for the reading, Mrs. Davis. I just want to put this in the icebox. My, what a lovely stalk of asparagus. <laughs> Don't let Walter Denton hear you say that. This happens to be a black orchid. Oh, but you shouldn't put that in the icebox, Connie. It won't do anybody any good there. Why don't you take it down to school with you and give it to Mr. Conklin? Mr. Conklin? Yes. You told me yourself you've been naughty lately. Maybe this little gift would make up for your recent habit of <laughs> dropping things on him. Say, it might at that. Although I wouldn't want Walter to find out that I gave away his present. Walter wouldn't mind. Besides, he won't know anything about it. I'll just put the flower into this box that the clean laundry came in, tie it with this red ribbon, and presto, you've got a peace offering for your principal. Thanks, Mrs. Davis. I'm sure nothing could make him happier unless I was tied up in the box. <laughs> Nash, Miss Brooks, I wish you'd reconsider my proposition about that Geiger counter. If you'll just get us permission to use it, I'll make you a 50-50 partner in whatever we find. It's a more than liberal offer, Walter, but I'm afraid I can't take advantage of it. Right now, I'm trying to figure a good method of stowing away to South America. Well, all right, Miss Brooks. But I hate the thought of passing up a possible bonus of $10,000 offered for discoveries of uranium. I know, Walter, and I can't say that it's altogether impossible, but as far as the immediate future is concerned, did you say $10,000? That's right. And if it's a big field, we might even get ten times that much. Open the throttle, Casey, and point me at Mr. Conklin's office. Well, I finished straightening up your office, Daddy. Thanks, Harriet. Run along, child. Isn't there anything else I can do? You can leave me alone. I'll get to your first class. Daddy, you're irritated this morning. Harriet, you're another Ellery Queen. <laughs> it so happens that some vandal broke into my garden, trampled my flower beds, and stole a rare black orchid. <laughs> I didn't know that. I just found out about it myself. I've been nursing that plant along for seven years. I was planning to give that orchid to your dear mother. It's her birthday today, you know. Yes, I know. Now I'll probably have to buy a present for the old... It's a hard gift. <laughs> if I ever get my hands on the scoundrel who... Enter. Good morning, Mr. Conklin. Oh, it's you. Hi, Miss Brooks. Hello, Harriet. I was just leaving the office, Miss Brooks. Try and cheer Daddy up a bit, will you? He's rather low this morning. I'll see you at lunch, Daddy. Bye. Bye. Well, Mr. Conklin, isn't this a bright and cheerful morning? Be brief, Miss Brooks. <laughs> what brings you to my office? I just came in to leave this little gift Gift? 
Yes, sir. May I put it on your desk? If you think you can do so without knocking the typewriter off on my foot again. <laughs> what else? Mr. Conklin, I should like your permission to borrow the Geiger counter from the chem lab. Geiger counter? I believe that's what it's called. It's used to indicate the presence of uranium. Miss Brooks, are you planning to pelt me with an A-bomb? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not, Mr. Conklin. I couldn't even lift an A-bomb. <laughs> but I've heard that there's quite a reward for discovering new uranium deposits, and I thought... I kindly I... leave the premises. But, Mr. Conklin, I... I am in no mood to discuss this nonsensical project at this moment. I've had a most difficult morning. Nay, a shocking morning. What happened, Mr. Conklin? I don't know how versed you are in things botanical, Miss Brooks. Oh, I'm pretty versed. <laughs> <laughs> Several years ago, I purchased a rare plant. For the first few years, it failed to bloom. I tried everything. Finally, I ceased to rely on the hit-or-miss methods of plant propagation employed by a bunch of buzzing bees, and I pollinated that plant personally. <laughs> Do you realize what that entailed? Of course. You had to smear your feet with honey and jump from petal to petal. <laughs> No, Miss Brooks. But there are other back-breaking procedures which I pursued faithfully for seven long years, until finally my efforts bore fruit. You became the father of a lemon tree. <laughs> Wrong again. An orchid plant. A black orchid plant. Just yesterday, it started to bloom, and I said to myself, you're a lucky man, Osgood. Tomorrow, this lovely flower will blossom just in time for your wife Martha's birthday. And then do you know what happened this morning? Yes. I mean, no. <laughs> Some vandal stole it. Well, I guess I'd better be running along. <laughs> Miss Brooks, where are you taking that box? I thought you said it was a gift. Oh, it is a gift, Mr. Conklin. But not for you. That is not actually. It's for Mrs. Conklin. Her birthday, you know. Just a little remembrance. Well, you can leave it here. I'll take it to her after school. I'd like to see what it is before I... Oh, no, I... Uh, I'd rather you didn't see it, Mr. Conklin. That is, well, it's, uh, underwear. <laughs> That's all right. We share a dresser, you know. <laughs> now, uh, put it down and get to your classroom. But, Mr. Dismiss! <laughs> oh, uh, one thing before you go. If you should happen to hear any of the students, or faculty for that matter, discussing a black orchid, would you please make a confidential note of the party's name? Confidential? I won't even read it to myself. <laughs> well, my morning classes passed without any undue noise from principal's office, so I assumed that Mr. Conklin hadn't found time to open the box containing his own black orchid, so thoughtfully provided for me by Walter Denton. When lunch period arrived, I hurried to the biology laboratory to let Mr. Boynton in on the ground floor of my predicament. Busy, Mr. Boynton? Oh, not at all, Miss Brooks. Come on in. Uh, before we go to lunch, there's something I'd like to talk to you about. It's really silly, I guess, but I was rather embarrassed this morning. Embarrassed? It all started when Walter Denton came to pick me up and 
told me some ridiculous story about finding uranium on his shoes. Oh, that isn't completely ridiculous, Miss Brooks. As a matter of fact, it was more or less confirmed in the chem lab by the reaction of the Geiger counter. You mean that Walter did actually step into uranium? Well, not necessarily. It could be some similar radioactive substance. You realize, of course, that the Geiger counter is an extremely sensitive instrument. It'll even pick up emanations from your radium dial wristwatch. All the way from Fisher's pawn shop? <laughs> it's a wonderful invention. And while Walter's shoe may not necessarily indicate the presence of any large field nearby, it, it's still a rather provocative incident. I'll say it is. Half of $10,000 is very provocative. If one were to discover some uranium, one would never miss the money it cost for a summer vacation, would one? I should think not. I'm going to South America myself. South America? Well, that's funny. I'm going to spend my vacation down there. You too? <laughs> what a coincidence. When are you leaving? The day school ends, June 23rd. You too? <laughs> what boat are you taking? The SS Brazil. You too? <laughs> What cabin will you be? Oh, no, I... <laughs> I... I just meant that if we're going to be in Brazil at the same time, it ought to make it very pleasant for both of us. They say the nights down there are very conducive to romance. Yes, I've heard something to that effect. In fact, on most June nights in Brazil... The stars seem to be so low in the sky that you can reach out and touch each other. Please, Miss Brooks, I... <laughs> I, uh, I don't like to change the subject, but... Not there... much you don't. <laughs> That's all right, Mr. Boynton. Brazil can wait. What is it you wanted to say? Well, I'd like to show you just how the Geiger counter reacts. Mr. Keller has a tiny sample of uranium in the chem lab. It's usually under lock and key, though, and... I... <laughs> Brooks, Mr. Boynton. Oh, hello, Walter. I just dropped by to take another look at the Geiger counter. Uh, did you tell Mr. Boynton about the swell black orchid I gave you, Miss Brooks? I was just about to. Walter gave me a fine black orchid this morning, Mr. Boynton. A black orchid? Say, they're mighty rare. Must have been cultivated for about seven years. Most likely in a hothouse. This one is hotter than that. <laughs> Walter, I don't usually give away presents, but I think you ought to know that in trying to get on Mr. Conklin's good side, I gave him the black orchid. You gave Mr. Conklin the... I better get a glass of milk. I don't feel so good. <laughs> Just a minute, young man. Why did you steal that flower from Mr. Conklin's garden? Well, it wasn't really stealing. I was only getting even. Every time Mr. Conklin passes our house, he strolls through the gate and gloms a rose for himself. Well, rose gloming isn't orchid gloming. Besides, why did you have to make me the fence? The fence? Receiver of stolen goods. <laughs> I've been reading a lot of Chaucer lately. <laughs> I'm sorry about the whole thing, Miss Brooks. But tell me. What did Mr. Conklin say when he saw his own orchid? Luckily for both of us, he hasn't opened the box yet. Well, then maybe if someone could get into his office... You, too? <laughs> That's just what I was thinking. You, too? <laughs> now, I just saw Harriet in the hall. Of course, she doesn't know about what I did, but she told me your dad went shopping. Then maybe we can remove the plant before he comes back. Exactly. And I've got a scheme that'll make it impossible for old Marblehead... Uh, Mr. Conklin, <laughs> to incriminate any of us. 
Are you with me? What's the layout, Louie? <laughs> well, I snipped the orchid off at the bottom. It's still got a long stem, see? Now, as soon as it gets dark, we can sneak back into his garden, stick the stem in the ground, and when he sees it tomorrow, he'll think something was wrong with his eyes this morning. And then when he snips it off, he won't know it has no roots. Walter, you're a genius. But Mr. Conklin's bound to find out it has no roots when another orchid fails to grow. Maybe so, but in seven years, we can cook up a dilly of an alibi. (laughs) Uh, I'll keep a watch here at the door, Miss Brooks. All right, Mr. Boynton. Now hurry, Walter. We've got to get that box off Mr. Conklin's desk before he gets back. Okay, Miss Brooks. There, I've got it. He's coming down the hall. We better get out of here. It's too late. He'll see us quick. Get rid of the box. What box? The one you're holding, Walter. Oh, here you are, Mr. Boynton. All right. Uh, I don't want this. Here, here, Miss Brooks, here's a nice orchid for you. For me? How sweet of you, Miss. What am I saying? <laughs> here, you take this, Walter. I'm allergic. Keep it. <laughs> quick, quick, Miss Brooks. Toss it out the window. The window? Where is it? Oh, right here. Open, thank goodness. There you go. Hello, what's everybody doing in my... Miss Brooks, may I inquire what it was you just threw out of my window? Who, me? <laughs> that is your name, isn't it, Brooks? Or do you shot put under a nom de plume? <laughs> well, I do remember tossing something out, but it, it was just a little bug. A bug? Yes, sir. That's just what it was, Mr. Conklin. A bug. We all saw it, didn't we, Mr. Boynton? Oh, yes, yes, it was a bug, Mr. Conklin. In my office? What sort of a bug was it? A beetle. A bullweevil. A louse. The three of them were building a nest. A nest? Well, a hutch or whatever it is they live in. Bullweevil live in cotton balls. You must get awfully tired of watching football games, don't you? What's going on here? What are you three doing in my office? Well, sir, we just came in to wish your wife a happy birthday. You came in to wish my wife a happy birthday? Yes, sir. Happy birthday to her. Happy birthday to her. Oh, quiet! Mr. Conklin, I might as well tell the truth. I wanted to give Mrs. Conklin her present myself. That's why we entered your office, but then when I heard you coming, I became nervous and tossed it out the window. Oh, well, that's easily remedied. We'll just reach out and pick it up. Now, but if there's nothing in it but underwear, Please, I... Please, not in front of Mr. Boynton. <laughs> you see, that was a little fib, too, Mr. Conklin. It, it isn't underwear. It's something for the house. You see, I wanted you to be surprised, too. That's right. That's what Miss Brooks told us. Yes, sir. She wants you to be surprised, too. Oh, oh, well, that's different. Something for the house, eh? Mrs. Conklin's been talking about new curtains for the dinette. Could this be curtain? It could be for us. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Please, Mr. Conklin, if you'll just hand it over, I'll be eternally in your debt. You are now. (laughs) But if it pleases you to surprise us, then take it. But whatever you do, don't come over too early. I'm not going to give Mrs. Conklin my gift until after dinner. Oh, that's perfect. You'll be good and busy inside. That is, goodbye now.
have to close, Daddy. Aren't you going to have lunch? I had to bite downtown, Harriet, when I bought your mother her birthday present. Oh, what did you get her, Daddy? A radium dial table model clock so she can see what time of night it is without waking me. I took it home before I returned to school. Fifteen dollars I paid for that clock. You'd better like it. I hope you hid it someplace where she won't find it in advance. You know how inquisitive Mother is about her presence. I'm well aware of your mother's little idiosyncrasy, Harriet. I hid it all right. I buried it in the little sunken toolbox out in our garden. This is one present nobody could find without a Geiger counter. Get off that driveway, Walter. Here's the gate to the backyard. Now, show us about where you got the orchid, Walter, and I'll dig a little hole for it and put it back. All right, you are, Mr. Boynton. It's over this way. Bring the box. What's that box you're carrying, Walter? This? Oh, this is the Geiger counter. I figured if we get away with this flower deal, we can get away with borrowing the counter for one evening. Oh, great. Now I'm the co-owner of a hot Geiger counter. <laughs> I wonder how Tehachapi is in the summertime. <laughs> oh, don't worry, Miss Brooks. We'll be through with this job in a jiffy, and then we can do a little prospecting. Oh, stop right here, Mr. Boynton. I think this is pretty close to where I got the flower. All right, Walter. Please, Mr. Boynton, there's nothing to get so excited about. Well, that wasn't me. No? It's a Geiger counter. This is where I must have stepped. Miss Brooks, we're rich. South America, take me away. <laughs> Mr. Boynton, dig some more. I'll put the counter over here now so we keep quiet. Uh, wait a minute. I've uncovered some sort of a toolbox. What's this package in it? Listen. It's ticking. <laughs> ticking. It must be a time bomb. A, a time bomb? But who would want to blow up Mr. Conklin? Who wouldn't? <laughs> I mean, if there's uranium around here, this bomb could have been planted by someone who didn't want any of us to get it. That's right. Or it could have been placed by some crackpot who wants to see our civilization survive. <laughs> Listen, it's ticking louder. Quick, give it to me. Here's a full watering can. This should stop it. There, it stopped. You've done it, Miss Brooks. Oh, you certainly have, Miss Brooks. I don't know what it is she's done, but I'll bet I'm against it. <laughs> Mr. Conklin, oh, this is one time you won't be mad at us. Miss Brooks just stopped the ticking. Well, she certainly did, sir. She threw the whole box right into the watering can. You see, it isn't making a sound. Indeed, it isn't. <laughs> but then, after they're submerged in water for a while, very few $15 table model clocks are capable of making any sound! <laughs> Table clock? Yes, Miss Brooke. Contained in this soggy, gift-wrapped box is my wife's birthday present. Well, is there any message you'd like to convey? All together, gang. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mrs. Conway. And now, once again, here is Our Miss Brooks. 
Well, when we showed Mr. Conklin that his black orchid was still intact, and I promised to reimburse him for the ruined clock, he calmed down a bit and his complexion returned to its normal color, purple. <laughs> After he had dismissed us, I slunk back to my room and fell into a nice peaceful stupor, slumber. <laughs> However, I awoke in the morning with a very disquieting thought. The fact remained that somewhere, somehow, Walter Denton had stepped in uranium. Mr. Keller, the chemistry teacher, had verified that. So when Walter arrived to pick me up, I hastened to reaffirm our partnership. We are still partners, aren't we, Walter? Oh, you bet, Miss Brooks. Mr. Conklin didn't see the Geiger counter at all. Good. Now, today, let's get a hold of a sample of uranium so we'll know what we're looking for. Hmm? And first, you'll have to give me $5, Miss Brooks. $5? We're partners, aren't we? You put in five and I'll put in five. Mr. Keller just called to tell me that's what a sample costs. Why should we have to buy it? Couldn't we borrow it? Well, look, Miss Brooks, remember I told you how I got up on the table in school to fix the light bulb? Yes, but what has that got to do with the uranium sample in the chem lab? That's the uranium I stepped in. What? Sure. That's why we got to put in $5 each to buy the school a new sample. Now I've got to go to South America, if only to send you a tsetse fly. Next week, tune in to another Our Miss Brooks show, brought to you by Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written by Al Lewis, Lester White, and Joe Quillen, with the music of Wilbur Hatch under the direction of Maurice Carlton. Mr. Boynton is played by Jeff Chandler, Mr. Conklin by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, and Gloria McMillan. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, the exciting, fun-packed adventures of an amateur detective and his beautiful wife. Tune in Tuesday evening over most of these same stations. And be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.